Welcome back to Star Wars Escape Pod and our day three recap of Star Wars Celebration Online. Uh, or should I say, uh, enjoying Star Wars Celebration through social media because multiple panels that we're going to be talking about today were actually not streamed to us at home. And uh, there's been some buzz about that going around. So we're going to do our best as possible to cover it the best we can and speculate on uh, what we weren't there for and uh, <laughs> just uh, try and enjoy the news regardless. So uh, to help me do that, because if you can't tell, I'm losing my voice a little bit. We've got our uh, esteemed co-host Blake in the escape pod and uh, we're going to be chatting with him all about this celebration buzz on day three. So thanks for tuning in again and let's get into it. of the Jedi, which is a six-part anthology series that uh, they made its debut at Celebration, and uh, we didn't get to see anything online except for leaked material, uh, because that's how they want to do it. So, <laughs> Blake, welcome back. Hey, good to be back, man. It's pretty cool seeing all this stuff coming out. It's pretty exciting. You know, we got one more day after today, so we've got to relish it while we can. Yeah, totally. Um, you know, it's uh, we're going to get into all this and we're going to come back around to Tales of the Jedi. But yeah, let's uh, let's dive headfirst into all of the guest spotlight interviews that we saw happen on the live celebration stage yesterday, at least the ones noting of. So if you want to hit that list there, uh, let's get the lowdown. 
Sure thing. So we had a uh, quite a big list of guests showing up today. And uh, we, we started off with, with Junis, who's uh, the, the current Chewbacca. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah it's so, always good to see him. He's a friendly guy. <laughs> yeah, he's a super friendly guy. And there's lots of jokes about his height in comparison, because I know the, the, the host of the, the that panel, or I guess the, uh, whatever they want to call it, the stage there, Andy, she's, I guess she's on the shorter side and then Junis is like seven feet. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just a massive, massive difference there. Just hilarious. <laughs> totally. Seems like such a friendly guy. So yeah. Yeah. He's a pretty, yeah. pretty normal guy. I think before he yeah. got the part of Chewbacca, I don't, I don't think he necessarily did a whole lot of, um, films. No, I, I don't think so. At least not that I'm aware of. Maybe uh, more European films before he came over North America. Right. But uh, from what I could tell, he seems like the right guy to take over for, for P- uh, Peter Mayhew, who's also just an extremely friendly person. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, such a lucky guy to, to learn from the master, too. That's right. So, um, yeah. Uh, who else do we have? And then there's the next group that came onto the stage here was uh, Claudia Gray, Charles Soule, and Kevin Scott, which are the authors who've been putting on all the uh, the main the main series for the High Republic. Right. And so they were chatting. It looks like they're doing a little bit of crossover work because uh, Charles Soule, I guess, normally does comics. Um, I'm not sure if he's switching to that, but switching out of that. But I know Claudia Gray is going to try her first take at doing a a comic in the High Republic. So that'll be kind of neat seeing where that goes, because I I have really enjoyed her novels. I think she's Canadian. Is that right? Uh, It's uh, E.K. Johnson, who's Canadian. Oh, sorry about mistake. Got them mixed up. Yeah. But two very very notable authors um, in in the Star Wars realm these days. Yeah. Because Claudia Gray did Across the Stars, right? Yeah. yeah. It was getting mixed up. Right. (laughs) Across the Stars is the song. And then there's the, the Lost Stars. It was, Lost, it was Stars. Lost Stars. Star Wars Lost Stars. That's what yeah, it is. Yeah. One, I get one, that mixed up every time. <laughs> every time, man. It, it yeah. was one of the first canon novels uh, of the first wave. That's right. And it was yeah. a young adult novel, and it, it's still one of my favorites. I thought they did a fantastic job. Yeah, it was so, great. We don't need to get into it too much here, but the basic premise was there's, uh, I guess, the, there were young adults that were. Uh, they, you know, had a crush, whatever, or a relationship. And then one went, got into the Imperial Academy and the one became a, a, a rebel. And then just that, that's kind of where the, the dynamic of the book is, which is pretty neat. Right. Uh, so moving on to the next section here, uh, G Capella sings live on stage, a music played by Disney Parks as August Cantina? Yeah, right? August Cantina. That's a, <laughs> okay. a famous place in Batu and Galaxy's Edge. Uh, so, okay. Yeah, so, so this, this isn't there. the same Twi'lek person that we see on the Star Cruiser. No, uh, this is this is a uh, this is a, a band. Uh, it's a cappella style, so they don't use instruments. They just use their voices. And okay. uh, they sang um, a song uh, with, uh, you know... Um, they sang a song that, uh, or a couple songs, or maybe, or something like that, that were played in the Disney parks um, in Galaxy's Edge. So it was cool to hear gotcha. that. Gotcha. Yeah. And then next, uh, we had Daniel Logan and his son, 
Caden come on stage. That's always fun. I really like Daniel Logan. He's yeah. such a such a like a super friendly, bubbly person. I love yeah. his laugh. It gets me every time. <laughs> he laughs so hard at everything. Totally. <laughs> that was a fun conversation. I really enjoyed that a lot. It was good to see his little son, Caden, uh, cosplaying yeah. as uh, as as Daniel. Uh, that was so cool, two. right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he had a little story about that. I guess his wife was making the costume, and it was she was cluttering up the dining table. And so he, I guess he complained about that and his wife kind of chewed him out. So. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a spot on costume though. How oh, cool is that to see him awesome. next to the character that he played? Yeah, totally. And he mentioned that when they were filming Boba Fett, they gave him a call and said like, Hey, we're going to have, we're going to use you for one scene because there's that flashback scene, right? Where you see little Boba look out the window as Django is flying away in the, in the slave one. Right. And so he's like, oh, sweet. He's like, going to come down and do some work. They're like, no, no, we'll like, we'll just like CG. Yeah, we, or whatever. we got like, everything oh. we need. Uh, we'll yeah, just send yeah. you a check. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we'll send you a check. He's like, oh, cool. That works for me. Get paid for doing nothing. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, what's funny about that is um, they didn't confirm in telling that story whether or not that was just deleted footage or not. I, I just assume that it is. Just, yeah, but no, it could uh, have been. Yeah. Or if it was CG and like a like or they maybe get a face swap yeah I have, some other kid. I have no idea i know that the uh the alternate angle when he holds up the helmet in the gene ocean arena uh that shot was also a deleted take so yeah uh, they he has a funny story for that too because george didn't tell him what it was for <laughs> right so he did that scene and then he watched the movie several months later and he saw that Django died <laughs> yeah yeah no <laughs> so good man that guy's full of some good stories Dude, so we also got to talk about the fart kid story real quick. Yeah, do it. Yeah, so I guess when they were working on uh, the scene on Camino, where Obi Wan comes into the room, and uh, little Boba is supposed to look very confused at why he's there, and they're having a hard time getting the reaction they wanted. So Ewan told uh, Daniel Logan to just look at him like he just like smelled like the worst fart. <laughs> and so and so that's what they did and so that that face that we see him make in the sh in the actual show <laughs> that's that's what that's the take when he he's pretending to smell a really bad fart and even just like was real silent about it <laughs> so awesome like, so I for the yeah it's the rest of the the, uh, the filming he was known as the fart kid by Ewan. <laughs> <laughs> i just remember every time i watch that movie uh that that scene that he that when he opens up the door we see him kind of scowl at him yeah, uh, it always makes me. Uh, yeah, it always makes me chuckle a little bit because I'm like, man, what's the, what's this kid's problem? Like, <laughs> <laughs> now, now you know it's because Obi Wan came in and just let one rip. Yeah, <laughs> that's hilarious. And the best part or, is that uh, out. maybe it's maybe it was Ton Wee, the Camino in. You know, uh, oh, let, maybe. letting loose a Ton Wee wet one. <laughs> oh gosh, just a wee one, a Ton Wee one. Yeah, uh, it smells like fish. Oh, jeez. <laughs> All right. Who's next? So next we had Carrie Jones come out, who uh, was, was the actor who plays Black Chrysanthemum. And that was an interesting interview as well. Right. So he wasn't, I think he's he's been getting into acting more recently, but he originally was a special effects guy. Yeah. Yeah. Like a um, special effects is in. Uh, in the costume special, like a puppeteer? Yeah, yeah, All, on set stuff like that. Exactly, yeah. So, like, when he was dressed up as as the Wookiee there, 
Um, like he knew what to expect. He was talking about that. I guess he was a little more comfortable wearing this giant, you know, blinding, extremely hot costume because yeah. he knew what was going to happen as opposed to most actors. He was kind of playing that a bit because he, he's normally is the guy outside putting it all on someone, right? Or uh, doing all the, I don't know if he did as far as the animatronics or if he's more just on the, the costume side, like maybe like the meshes and stuff. Uh, right. But then he, he went uh, also into talking about how he was trying to play this character, and the only thing you can see of him is his eyes. The rest of it's all <laughs> yeah. just a costume, right? So, <laughs> totally. So that was pretty neat. He spent hours and hours and hours just doing like different angry looks in the in the window or in the mirror, trying to figure out to get it right. Yeah, yeah. I've actually got it noted down here um, at some point on the on the page that that he was just. Uh, I just put. He spoke on the celebration stage. Uh, uh, really, uh, you know, gave us all a good idea that his dedicated performance as Black Chrysanthemum. Uh, you know, I hope we see him again. So. Yeah, and he, he, I guess he's a method actor. So while he was on stage dressed as Black Chrysanthemum, he was trying to just be a dick to everyone all the time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like people would be talking to him, he would just like turn away and like just like ignore them stuff like that. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he wanted people to see him as as black percent and not someone in the suit right <laughs> i thought that was pretty funny i thought that was pretty good then we had uh ahmed abtahi uh dr persing uh that's the the guy from mandalorian season one i think season two as well the guy who was trying to do all the uh science experiments on on baby yoda on grogu yeah that's the guy that the uh uh the group kidnaps at the very end of the second season and uh, they use him to help locate Moff Gideon's ship. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, I know he was talking a lot about um, how he was cast in the, like, they filmed all this stuff, but because the NDAs are just so tight, like, he basically had to tell everyone he was unemployed for a year. Yeah. <laughs> he couldn't oh, say anything. Oh, the shame. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that was pretty funny. And he, I guess he's coming back again. So yeah, he's, uh, he's excited to, to return. Yeah. It's good. It'll be great to see his character back. Yep. And then we had, uh, Pedro Pascal. Come on. I missed part of this. So I don't know if you have anything specific to, to share with Din, about Din Djarin. Yeah. Nothing specific. Uh, this was after the Mando plus panel that none of us got to see online. So, uh, you know, there, there was, there was a few questions that, that were just kind of, um, semi relevant to his time at the panel and, uh, just always great to see him, you know, talk about his love for the character and the show and yeah. the fan. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, next, we had Rosario Dawson and Natasha Liu. Play, those are the actresses that play Sabine and Ahsoka. Yeah, in the live action uh, series. That's right, in live action. Yeah, so we finally got the reveal that Sabine is going to be a live action character. That's right. Yeah, played by Natasha Liu. And I was looking at her while she was up on stage, and I was like, dang, that's one good casting call for Sabine. Like, yeah. <laughs> they, they, look, they look pretty, uh, pretty close. Yeah. Um, I didn't do a side by side. That's pretty cool. Do you, do you have to imagine her with like colored hair, right? Street yeah. hair. Yeah, she yeah. Does, totally. I think each each season she has a different color. So it just seemed like her personality that she would in fact sport purple hair. Uh, Get out of my room, so uh, Ezra. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know the craziest part about this is that um, so the rumored actor to play Ezra Bridger 
is the same Canadian actor who played Aladdin. Um, that makes sense. And we're, we like always the connection make, is perfect. <laughs> yeah. You know, we're always making jokes that Ezra Miller yeah. is just the What's Star that? Wars Street Aladdin. Street rat. What's that? Street rat. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, what he is. His character is clearly based on Aladdin. So it just makes sense. Mena, Mena Massad, uh, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. And uh, he actually tweeted um, over Star Wars Celebration Weekend so far. And he says, huge congratulations to everyone at the hashtag Star Wars Celebration. Excited to see uh, hashtag Ahsoka and this next phase for the Star Wars universe. Uh, may the force be with you. And people are go, like losing their, their, their business uh, over the idea that, that he was throwing us all a bone as to say i'm ezra bridger and i can't say anything yet but maybe who Could knows be. i mean yeah someone Could asked dave, nothing yeah and someone asked dave this question in the audience of this unseen panel because this all happened in the mando plus panel um mm -hmm. someone asked dave where's ezra because uh natasha Liu, rosario dawson pedro pascal you know giancarlo esposito pretty much the whole nine yards for all the live action actors you know in these shows and stuff all came out uh along with chopper and live action you know yeah the, the physical robot and all that stuff i mean it makes sense they wouldn't reveal it because we were left off at the end of rebels where we don't know really if ezra survived or not right we know but we've been hit that thrawn surviving and they were together so it seems likely ezra's alive yeah and yeah. i feel like that's supposed to be the plot of the Ahsoka series. They're going to probably find yeah, it. Yeah, so maybe they'll, the they'll keep the casting a secret until the, the day of the show airs, you know. But uh, but yeah, it, it's, it's definitely it's definitely something that came to mind uh, to somebody down there because they asked Dave the question, where's Ezra Bridger? And Dave responds is, you know, the funny thing about that is I know. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. Oh, classic Dave. Uh, classic Dave. Um, all right, who, who's next? Are you surprised, though, that they didn't, they wouldn't want to cast uh, Taylor Gray, who's the voice actor? I feel like they're, they might want to start consolidating well, these roles. Well, at this point, at this point, they've, they've only used Bo-Katan as uh, an original cast member to portray both live action and animated, whereas everyone right. else has been recast for live action. So I feel like they've just been going with that that pattern you say that but then when the games they're doing body scans so then those the actors yeah. and, and actresses that are playing the the characters in the games those they actually look like that yeah yeah so in the games um they're intentionally uh going that route of like oh this is an actor that could definitely play this in live action um and i, I think say, when they cast for a game they kind of take the same casting process i think right I think they should do that for the shows as well. They should. Yeah, they should. Totally. They sh Because now that we know there is this potential to switch to live action, when they cast for, for all the animated series, they should cast their likeness as well. And then whoever gets cast to play it, that's what the character should be designed to look like. So if they ever do switch to live action, they can just keep the same person. I agree. Yeah, it would simplify the process uh, a lot more. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe they'll start doing that for going forward, I guess. I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe we should. I don't know who we'd send that to. 
Kathleen Kennedy. <laughs> tweeted, <laughs> yeah. at, tweeted at Kathleen Kennedy. Yeah, I yeah. know she has Twitter. <laughs> yeah, send your letters to LDAC. <laughs> yeah, there we go. It'll go yeah. straight to the trash. Yeah. Not the Kerner building, everyone. They've moved since then. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, next guest on the list. Next, we had uh, Matt Wood, which is the the master of Skywalker Sound, who's done so many of the uh, iconic mixes of shows and the uh, the direct apprentice of Bill Burt. Yeah, it was always cool hearing from him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's always got so many cool stories and stuff to talk about, something like behind the scenes. And something that he mentions quite often, I've noticed in these panels because he showed up a few times, is he, he mentions that George Lucas considered sound to be a 50% of, of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, and, you know, rightfully so, it adds so much. I mean, you know, where, where would we be without the iconic sound effects of the lightsaber and the Millennium Falcon and the TIE fighters? I mean, you know. Yeah, uh, I think. Different world. The, <laughs> the, uh, the score is included in that as well. As, as all of it together, right? If you just watched a silent film. Totally. You're missing totally. so much. Oh, yeah. 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 The, the, the feeling is gone. Exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. that's exactly how we explained it is sound is you're, you're telling a story through emotion. Yeah. Uh, so next we had the actor, uh, hopefully I pronounce this correctly, Giancarlo Esposito, yep. who plays Moff Gideon. Moff Gideon. Yeah. Uh, he had, uh, and he, he was kind of funny up on celebration stage. He, Oh big, man, big I felt <laughs> yeah. He, he reminded me of I don't want to say it. The 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 this probably isn't the best way to explain it, but he came across as like a a positive version of a dictator. You know what I mean? Just just with the <laughs> yeah. like the way he spoke and was like, you know, like oh, I love all of you, right? Yeah, like, yeah. He was not like, he's an actual dictator, but like, kind of was like speaking in that same style. He's rallying everyone and uh, how to yeah. how to be positive and love everyone. And, and yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, who his career is now kind of gold uh, towards uh, bringing that to people. And and uh, you know, seems like such a nice guy. Um, yeah, he and, really uh, does. You know, which is it's quite funny to see him like this because he's always playing a villain. Yeah. <laughs> He's talked about that. Yeah, yeah it, like, it, it's funny how it's always the nicest people that play the best bad guys. Right, right. And, uh, you know, spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen it all the way through Breaking Bad. But, um, he does play a villain in, in Breaking Bad. And, you know, we all saw the, the famous uh, death scene uh, with him just getting half his face blown off. Like, it was, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was quite something. And, uh, you know terrifying uh guy yeah, he's the chicken guy right the guy the chicken, who runs the, the, yeah, the chicken shop the chicken sells meth in the back. Yeah, that's right <laughs> the fast food guy yeah that's right yeah that was like the best season too yeah it was yeah that was, in my that opinion was, yeah it was definitely i think i think it was my favorite too i didn't even realize it was the same guy <laughs> yeah yeah was, i haven't seen breaking bad since it came out but i only rewatched it like just because okay. i never finished it originally and i i decided to rewatch it within the last uh within the last year at some point. And, and I, I watched the whole show and then finished off with El Camino. And uh, yeah, it was, it was just so great. You know, it was such a great show. Mm. So such a great show. Great writers. Yeah. And then uh, we had Ewan McGregor show up very briefly and it felt like it was more of a call to like, Hey, yeah. yeah. Last minute, get your autograph. Cause I gotta go. <laughs> I thought that was quite funny. I'm like, uh, yeah. Hey everybody. Uh, 
I've look listen, I've I've got to go in uh yeah. 20 minutes. Uh yeah, and some great. of you have signed up for uh, a signature for an autograph. Um <laughs> Yeah, <so laughs> it was he's, just he's, it's quite he funny. shared that this is the first con he's ever been to so he really yeah. didn't know what to expect so you could you could tell that right it wasn't like this is the 500th one and they're they're all just exhausted of doing the same thing every couple months right so he was he was really excited about it i think he really enjoyed meeting fans and signing and everything yeah i think he i think he had a good time he wasn't yeah. burnt out yet like yeah. like george <laughs> <laughs> make your own movies you can yes, sign right. your own stuff <laughs> But George, George, this is for your fans. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and our final guest. Uh, Janina Kavanker, who is going to play Ahsoka's mother, but she originally was Aiden Verso, Versio, which I thought was very interesting because that means she's now going to be playing two characters. Yeah. And because, as we mentioned with the games, where it has her likeness, she might actually be two characters. But... Because Ahsoka's mother was what it came there was revealed on one of the panels that wasn't streamed. Yeah, that was the uh, Tales of the Jedi panel. Okay, yeah. and that's going to be animated. It's going to be exactly the way Clone Wars looks. Okay, so in that yeah. case, it's it's fine. I, at first, I thought because I heard the first time I heard that reveal of playing Ahsoka's mother was at this panel, so we didn't know what that show was going to be like. Right. So I was under the impression that was actually going to be live action. Yeah, but, okay. um, if, it's, if it's animated, that makes more sense. Yeah, yeah, it'll it'll be an animated version of Ahsoka's mother. We'll get into the details of that in just a bit, but uh, yeah, the uh, <clears throat> the uh, casting of her into that role it, very similar to Sam Witwer having played a video game character in the EU uh, as the Force, oh, un- yeah. Force Unleashed uh, secret apprentice, and then uh, transitioning into the voice of Darth Maul, and then Sidious. And uh, multiple others uh, after that. So, yeah, mm-hmm. they kind of follow suit, I guess. In this interview at the stage, she mentioned that Lucasfilm was really good at callbacks. She just come in and do random voices. So I guess through a lot of the films as well, she's just been called in to play random stormtroopers in the background and stuff. Right, right, yeah. Uh, she also puppeteered so, the nostrils on that Mon Calamari. That's right. In yeah, the- <laughs> that was on Amando season two on yeah. the the fishing planet. Yeah, yeah. She she played the nostrils in that in that that Mon Calamari person wearing the fishnet shirt or whatever. Uh, yeah. What, yeah. Did she reveal if that was on stage that they yeah, did yeah. that? I yeah, guess that they was, would have that was to have been. on set. Yeah. Uh, so her that's- friend is the one in the costume, and okay. they needed someone that could keep tight-lipped on on uh <clears throat> right that makes sense yeah they need to help with the nostril remote control stuff so she's like hey you're a star wars person too let's uh you know bring Coming you on down. We, we know we can trust you yeah, yeah it really goes to show that if you get your foot in the door then you're in you can kind of do lots of stuff yeah that's exactly what she was saying too she she was like uh you know once that? <laughs> once uh once you're kind of you know within that that Star Wars family, uh, you know, they just keep on coming back to you for stuff if if they know you're interested. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, something I forgot to mention back on the Matt Wood panel, uh, they mentioned that they uh, what's that guy's name? I'm blanking on now. Had a second ago. David Collins. They they hired David Collins. Oh yeah, David W. Collins. Yeah, the the. Yeah. I don't 
Yeah, that's right. Because I know he, he's the guy who's uh, talked a lot about Star Wars stuff, and I think he kind of hosted some. Uh, yeah, every celebration a, he tends to host a, a, a panel. Yeah. 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 Yes, but he was never officially part of uh, Skywalker Sound. I think now he was actually hired on. Right. Yeah, I uh, I, I think, um, well, I don't know, because I, I know he worked on a variety of projects, including The Force Awakens. Yeah, but, he did some random voices, but I think it was all just like random pickup stuff. Yeah, sound work as well. I think he was doing sound work uh, for uh, Skywalker Sound, I believe. Oh, okay. If In that I'm case, maybe he, I don't know if he left and then came back or what happened there. But Matt Woods said David Collins is part of the team now. So, yeah, he. Uh, I think I, I don't. I don't know if he ever. I mean, he he did work on. Um, Rise of Skywalker is a day. It's, it's funny because his credits is always additional crew. Uh, yeah. So I don't really, he's one of those like jack of all trades kind of people. He is. Uh, yeah. Is that's probably why. Cause I you know part of it when they also do like random voices, that, that could be the case. Cause they're not actually named characters. Right. Yeah. He had a bit of a break after um, force unleashed came out and then he, he came back to star Wars for, uh, forces and of destiny the uh, disney kind of youtube show in 2018 and uh, he's been with the company ever since yeah okay. on, on yeah, every yeah. on every star wars project so he's kind of been all over the place like you said he was, he was hosting panels and stuff yeah resistance he was a sound editor uh he was on jedi temple challenge galaxy adventures lego star wars the holiday special uh, Star Wars vehicle fly through and biomes as recording mixer, sound designer, sound editor. Uh, he was on the Bad Batch, Visions, Galaxy Sounds, like the list goes on. Book of Boba, Obi Wan Kenobi, Willow. So, yeah, it sounds like then you know started small and just got bigger and bigger roles. Yeah, yeah, more yeah, involved. Totally. So uh, we had a variety of panels today, um, and uh, two of which we'll talk about were able to see on the live stream. Uh, two are not able to be seen. Uh, no one saw them yesterday except the people there in person. And, and even uh, then, only if they got lucky enough to get in the draw to get it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I did see a few tweets from people that had hit that state where we had estimated because of the raffle, there's going to be people who don't get into anything. And yeah. uh, I did see a, a tweet from someone who was like, I'm here on Star Wars Celebration Saturday and I'm not in any panels and I'm yeah. pissed. That's what they were saying. I was like, Geez, yeah, that, that was us last time. Yeah. Same thing. So, um, yeah, let's kick things off with behind the scenes of the Mandalorian panel. I'm sure you have a lot to, uh, to say on this. I know we both really like that a lot, but uh, do you want to read through the notes and then we could just go back through and uh, touch up on any details? Sure thing. So. On the behind-the-scenes Mandalorian panel, we had the guests Matt Wood, Richard Bluff, John Rosengrant, Jenna Lewin, and Bonnie Wild. Uh, so a number of these people were like special effects. So Matt, Matt Wood was sound. Um, see if I can put a face to the name of the other ones. I know Jenna Lewin has to do with Industrial Light Magic, so she's on the CG side. Uh, Bonnie Wild was also a sound director at, at uh, Skywalker Sound. Now, Richard Bluff and John Ro uh, Rosengrant, I'm not sure which one is which, but one guy runs his own uh, prop special effects company, and he they actually designed Grogu. Right. Uh, yeah, Legacy Effects. Legacy, that's right. And yeah. they 
uh, they uh, or the guy who owns that company. He was originally the guy who worked on like did the special effects and like Terminator, like the original Terminator and Alien, yeah. Aliens, you know, T two. Like this guy, he goes way back in the day, and he works quite a lot with uh, James Cameron and James Cameron. That's yeah. right. That's who I'm looking for. Yeah. Uh, so Richard shared about the original Lucas TV show Underworld and compared it to the breakthroughs on The Mandalorian that made the new shows possible. Uh, Stagecraft is highlighted in this panel and the volume, as it's, they often refer to it as. Uh, Grogu was almost CG until John saw the puppet, which I thought was super interesting. So originally the puppet was supposed to be just a stand in for like lighting and stuff or just to be out of focus in the background. But they actually managed to get enough movement and facial expression out of Grogu that uh, John was like, John Favreau was like, well, let's just use it. This looks great. And honestly, I think it was the right call. Yeah, because I know with CG, it can look really, really good. But other times, I don't know if it's just time limits or whatever. You you could tell that it's not. Yeah, you can quite use right. It. Yeah, totally. maybe that's just the actors and actresses not reacting to it quite appropriately. Yeah. Something always seems just a little bit off. So I'm I'm really glad they went with the puppet. I think that's fantastic. Totally, totally. Uh, so Matt Wood mentioned uh, why Cad Bane doesn't have as much uh, voice mo- uh, modulation as he did in the Clone Wars. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, because they really wanted the the actor's voice to stand out more. Like, uh, and they talked about how when he he does Cad Bane's voice, he like talks out of, like the, the side of his mouth. We talked extensively about that lack of voice modulation in yeah, uh, the, in did. the book of Boba, and we were wondering why, uh, because there was a huge consistency error there. But I guess it was intentional because, much like how we might look at the casting voice of live action versus animated as like a different vibe um i guess matthew wood looks at the sound effects that way as well so he decided to perceive cad bane just a little differently for live action depiction as opposed to animation yeah that's that's what ended up being i know we were speculating on oh maybe he's just older (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i guess it's just that the the clone wars animated series and uh, bad batch he's uh stylized right because they also showed the breakdown for his uh, how they did his his prop stuff. Because I thought he was CG, his face, but it looks like it was actually mostly uh, animatronics. Yeah, it's all makeup and uh, animatronics that they attached to his mouth and his lips and everything, and uh, they were able to to pull that out practically. Which is why the mouth is placed at a normal level and not further down Lower as down. A proper Duros would. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Because I think they did the thing where the jaw sticks out of the rest of the mask. So the bottom lip is real, but the top lip is uh, prosthetics. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. So, um, you know, it, it, it paid off uh, reasonably well when it comes down to the, the practical technology that they're able to design a costume like that. But mm-hmm. the continuity, again, it's like, it, for me, it always comes down to continuity. I mean, like to yeah, me, to totally me it just didn't fully look like Cad Bane. Just it didn't look like a Duros. It didn't look like a Duros. Yeah, it just looked like a big bug-eyed person, like a human person almost. Um, but, but does that mean going forward, all Duros are going to look more like Cad Bane than they did 
look like the, uh, the turtles that we see in the original trilogy. That's the controversy, yeah. Because, yeah, I don't know. I mean, now which con- continuity do we go with? Like, <laughs> which consistency yeah. do we stick with, right? So it, it brings up a lot of issues. Yeah, we'll have to see what happens when the next one shows up. Yeah. Miniatures. Uh, yeah, miniature miniaturization of the Razor Crest. Miniatures are are back in Star Wars. Not something done on the sequels. Practical effects and and large sets were, but but no, if not hardly any kind of miniature work. So there really this was uh, pointing out more to the fact that originally there wasn't supposed to be any miniatures in the Mandalorian. Right. And and now I know which one's which. I guess it was John Rosengrant, who is someone who works with Doug Chang. Uh, he was talking back and forth with Favreau, and Favreau was just slowly kind of dropping the idea of doing miniatures until until uh, John John Rosengrant just specifically asked, like, "Hey, you've brought this up multiple times now. Like, do you actually want to do miniature work?" And Favreau was like, yeah, why not? So, like, uh, okay. So he called up John Knoll. was like, hey, uh, Favreau wants to do miniature work for the Razor Crest. And then, the, you know, the classic story that we were actually at, uh, we, where did I hear it? I think there was, yeah, there's an online a video where John Knoll specifically talks to this, where he, he went into his garage over the weekend and he built like a full animatronic rig so that they could <laughs> record the, uh, the Razor Crest practically. Yeah, he just he heard the news and he just got building in his garage that that yeah. day, you know. <laughs> so I'm so I excited. Guess. Yeah, it's just so cool. I w- honestly, I wish I had the technical know-how to do that in my garage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that's crazy. He's such a talented guy. This is the guy who who him and his brother built Photoshop, the original Photoshop. So, the, the John they know Noel, what they're doing. John knows one of the smartest people, I think. Uh I think any of us will ever uh, hear about you know uh, who's more of like an underdog kind of like kind of like elon musk in a little bit it's like he's such a he's not like he's a quiet humble guy you yeah, never guess totally totally yeah and and you know he he makes his jokes and stuff on social media he's actually active on social media whereas like john Knoll is is not he's like you might find him on linkedin but you know he's just but he's like so uh, such a big deal, like within yeah. the, the uh, ILM, within the VFX community at, at large, and uh, yeah, he's got such an important role to play, and he's still active doing his job. So uh, it's always great so, to hear so stories crazy. about him. Yeah. So that was super cool. I'm glad they did that as well, <clears throat> as well, because I, I've always been such a big fan of of uh, practical effects. And I really want to see their return. I feel like the pendulum swung really far in the CG direction yeah. and it's starting to swing back the other way. And I think there, there's a balance. There is a balance to be found where some stuff you could just do so much more with CG, but there's, you can't write off practical stuff entirely. I think they're finding that balance really nicely in the new Star Wars shows. Yeah, I agree entirely. And you can really see that. And they speak to that when they're inside uh, the volume where they, because now they have also all the CG stuff is there for the actors to see. So they can actually see stuff moving around them and be in like a, a set. Even if it's, it's screens, they can see where they are. Totally. And then, yeah. so they can interact with stuff next to them or they can interact with like, actual like props and stuff like, yeah. like uh, baby Grogu, for example. 
Daniel on the celebration stage shares a story about playing video games with Hayden and getting Natalie's autograph. Oh yeah. So, um, so now we're, we're back to the celebration stage. There was, there was some details about, um, uh, there was just two things I wrote down. We already talked about Carrie Jones, but yeah, there was one thing that Daniel mentioned, uh, when he was up there with his son about how, uh, Natalie Portman doesn't give her signature out to anyone. Uh, she so, was because she was only signing it for charity. Yeah, she's only signing it for charity, and everyone was like, "Nah, kid, like you're not gonna get her signature." Like, yeah, but but he was like, "No, I'm she sure I can who? do it." Yeah, <laughs> so he goes up. He's like, "Please, uh, uh Miss Miss Boltman, can you sign my 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 autograph book?" And then she was like. Oh, of course you can't. Like, you know, yeah, yeah. Like, this cute little 10-year-old kid. Yeah, cute little, like, New Zealander, like, kid. Yeah, so, so you know, um, she he got her, her autograph, and everyone's, like, scowling at him as he, like, walks away. Yeah, <laughs> and it was right after he was playing video games with Hayden Christensen. Yeah, and he steals and- his PlayStation. Like- <laughs> <laughs> he didn't steal it. <laughs> there was, like, so Hayden. That was a fun story. Hayden- I'll tell it from the beginning. Yeah, so- yeah, go for it. Yeah. So Hayden invited Daniel Logan to come hang out in his in his uh, his suite and play video games, which at first you know was like stranger danger. But he's like, uh, I just went anyway. <laughs> so they went over there, and this is this is back in the day. It's like I think the PS2 had just launched, and so uh, at the time, uh, Hayden had the PS1 and the, the play, Sega. Play, PlayStation. It was PlayStation and uh, Dream yeah. Dream something. Dreamcast. Dreamcast. Yeah, it was, it was Dreamcast. Sega Dreamcast. And so I guess they were in Australia, and so the 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 power there is different. I think it's higher voltage. And so Hayden plugged in the Sega Dreamcast, and it just started smoking and like burns up. <laughs> yeah, and just dies. And so he was like really angry. And but upset just about prior it. to that, he said to yeah. Daniel that he could have his PlayStation because he's been using his Dreamcast. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> and so and so uh, Daniel Logan saw the thing smoke up and knew that Hayden would want his PlayStation back, so he just grabbed the PlayStation and ran out of the room. <laughs> 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 just to leave, leave Hayden with nothing. <laughs> I just think like this is one of the funniest things I think I heard this whole weekend. I mean, uh, you know, Hayden's such a nice guy. I bet he only laughed like when he saw that, but <laughs> it's just so good. Oh man. I bet you he probably heard this story, you know, through the, over the weekend it probably made him smile and just laugh at just, just <laughs> yeah. the unfortunate turn of events that happened over that weekend. <laughs> totally. Totally. Um, so we got a couple of non-streamed panels, uh, which uh, we can just leave to speculate on uh, between us because um, I only got so much information from various tweets that people were coming out with. Uh, so let's kick things off with the Mando Plus panel. This was not streamed. Once again, uh, you won't be able to find this online uh, yet. Uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, they actually do in fact reveal the trailers and the footage and the panel itself at some point. But uh, for the time being, this is celebration pers- in person only uh, exclusive stuff. So uh, I only know as much as you know, which is uh, the notes here that we got down on the page. Uh, so why don't you go ahead and uh, read us through this whole ordeal? Sure. So at the panel, the guests were uh, Dave and John. And then we got Chopper, Pedro, Pascal, Grogu, Grogu, Rosario, Dawson, and Natalie Liu. So it's interesting that 
they had chopper there for one yeah yeah there was actually uh i actually forgot to write down a few more i think giancarlo esposito was there and uh, there was actually like a numerous amount others there's a photo that i posted in our discord in the celebration log and uh it's a group photo of all of them behind a table it's somewhat closer to the bottom and uh it's uh it's got the um the armorer there emily swallow uh it's got uh uh uh, Katie Sackhoff is in there. Uh, Rick Famayoka is in there. Carl Weathers is in there. Um, There's a huge panel. Yeah. So it was, it was a lot of them. They were, they were all kind of, uh, you know, you know, it, all, uh, all in it together, uh, representing the next wave of, of live action Star Wars within the same era kind of thing, mm-hmm. which is cool. That's pretty neat. It's, Cause it's called Mando plus. Is this, it's not directly Mando season three, but might also include the Ahsoka panel. That's that's exactly it. Yeah. It was including Ahsoka Mandalorian, um, book of Boba, I guess, uh, you know, just, just anything around that kind of anything. that's like live action Disney plus series. Some people are calling it the Mando verse. Um, I'm personally not a huge fan of that just because it isolates those groups of shows yeah. like from the it limits rest of it the, too much. Yeah. It limits it too much to, uh, yeah. I, I, I just like to look at it as like the post return of the Jedi, um, uh, you know, stories, <laughs> but, uh, It'd be, uh, return of the Jedi plus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what Disney would probably call it. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. like their pluses. They like their pluses. Yeah. <laughs> Because then they can keep adding more, and it literally looks like everything's added together. That's probably why. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, what were you saying? So Hera, Hera and Sabine came out on stage. That's as well. right. Yeah. So I'm told. I guess Hera and Sabine will be in the Ahsoka series. Was announced. So they can be live action characters that are actually going to be Hera and Sabine. So we talked just about Sabine a little bit. Um, but Hera, Hera's new. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's um uh so I guess the the actress um sorry, the actress didn't come out on stage for Hera, but uh but it, it was at least I don't think so, but she was in the teaser footage that they showed and it's confirmed that there is a somebody out there playing the character of Hera in the Ahsoka series. Which makes sense if this series is taking place right after where we left off in Rebels. I'm hearing I, it goes it goes one 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 step even further. It's even better than that. I'm hearing from people on the internet that it is basically just Rebels season five, but live action. But live action. That's right. But the story literally takes place Re- the Rebels moment season off. four yeah. leaves off. Yeah, which is pretty. That's a massive sick. cliffhanger. Yeah, it is. Um, and they, the teaser footage, uh, which is actually the next thing, the teaser footage that they showed, um, I've got, uh, I think, I don't know if I posted a picture for this one or not, but uh, they recreated that whole scene with Sabine looking at the mural of Ezra and the family of the ghost crew right. on the thing and Ahsoka and the white robe comes out. They recreated that whole thing. And uh, that's cool. And, yeah. And then they, they went right into the, the teaser footage uh, which was, uh, you can find it online. Um, uh, I, I, it's not the best, uh, visibility, uh, the camera tilts up and you can only see like an eighth of the screen for a good chunk of it. So, you know, not great, but, uh, it was, uh, it was okay. Uh, and, uh, got the idea and, uh, you know, 
definitely feels like Rebel Season 5, for sure. That's cool. Hmm. Makes me have a lot of questions, though, because obviously we see Ahsoka later in The Mandalorian, which this Ahsoka series, I guess, is going to be before The Mandalorian Season 1. Yeah, and before Return yeah. of the Jedi. The... Sorry, fact, so... Before... Well, so that means it's before A New Hope. Ahsoka series? Yeah. So, well, correct? no, so, um, yeah, so the one thing about the Rebels season four finale is the end credit scene or the end scene of the last episode is uh, post Return of the Jedi. So the whole, oh, the whole Rebels series. Yeah. So right. anyone who hasn't seen Rebels, you might, may want to take note of this. Um, but the whole Rebel series season one through four up until the set, the like the last episode uh, is all before Rogue One. And then the very last, like, three minutes of the final episode, it actually skips the original trilogy and flashes forward to a scene past Return of the Jedi when the Empire's already gone. And that's a scene in which Ahsoka kind of comes back and reunites with Sabine and they go off looking for Ezra because at one point in the show, he goes missing. So... Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, Ahsoka will will follow up the events of season four of Rebels and continue that story. We're gonna have to play that clip here on the podcast at some point. For sure, yeah. Well, we'll for sure, uh, I'm sure there's gonna be an opportunity to get further into detail when they officially yeah. release the footage and all that. Yeah, release the official trailer, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's very interesting. Um, and then we had Chopper come out as well as the the actors Rosario Dawson. And Sabine actress, uh, actress Natasha Liu. Yeah. Do you think her voice is close enough or we're better off with uh, uh, the girl who played Kelly from The Office? <laughs> uh, oh, um, what? Uh, Sabine? Yeah. I, I think she'll be fine. I think she'll be great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I need to see her like uh, in like playing the character. So, yeah, 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 for it's sure. Hard to tell at this point. I don't know. It's a, just a gray, gray box. Yeah, I'm sure they cast it well. I mean, uh, you know, they have done it for everyone else. So yeah, aside from the disappointment that we don't have the same actors from animation and live action, you know, that aside, uh, Rosario Dawson is great, and you know, I love her as Ahsoka as well. Uh, so you know, it's just it's just one of those things, I guess. We'll, we'll all eventually kind of adjust to. Uh, the casting choice of of whatever they they do end up going with makes sense. Uh, so that was the end of that panel. Yeah, and we got a second panel uh, to uh, well unstreamed again. Tales of the Jedi. So how about you? This uh, looks to be a new animated series. Yeah, yeah. You want to walk us through this? Sure. So the notes that we were able to find. Uh, it's a Clone Wars style show by Dave Filoni. Uh, how did this idea come about? During Mando shooting, he came up came up with a short story and later pitched it to Carrie Beck. So I guess this happened while he was on a flight. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, when he was on a flight, flying back and forth between shooting, uh, I guess uh, uh, wherever their their set was, and uh, you know, just came up with the idea on an airplane and. You know, being a guy like Dave Filoni with so many stories to tell, Tales of the Jedi is like a great avenue because it really lets him explore those random story arcs that's like, oh, I want to tell a story about young Qui-Gon and, and uh, Dooku. But 
I, like I don't have a full dedicated show avenue to do it. So like, how do we tell that story? Yeah, because um, if you're jumping on a timeline that much, the only real other way to do that would be like a one-off comic series or a novel. Yeah, um, and I brought it up before where I said uh, I would love them to finish Clone Wars in the style of just throw out some Clone Wars style movies. I mean, we've seen that happen before. Uh, let's let's get it happening again so that they can complete the show, right? And Tales of the Jedi is kind of like that. Like they're doing it in story arcs where it's just three episodes for an arc and uh, um, it's going to be dedicated around a, a character or something, uh, just trying to fill in some gaps in their life. So uh, it's just great. Uh, so there will be an Ahsoka based episode three, which span critical moments of her life. So I guess there'll be three different Ahsoka episodes that jump around. Yeah. We can tell which eras that they will take place in as well, based on the teaser footage that I played at the beginning of our podcast. Um, there's uh, there's leaked uh, footage of her as, Oh, whoops. <laughs> her as a baby. And, uh, and then there's uh, footage of her in the clone wars era, but like, like early, early on. And then there's also footage of her um, in the post Revenge of the Sith, uh, post end of Clone Wars era when she faces the sixth brother from the Ahsoka novel. So it looks like they're going to try and fill those main holes uh, to try and complete a backstory a little bit. Um, Were you ever that interested to see a prequel to how she became part of the Jedi Academy. I, n- I never really questioned it that much. We do know that Plo Koon finds her. Uh, and, yeah. and that was supposed to be originally the, the main plot of, of one of the uh, arcs or whatever. But uh, yeah, I guess maybe they shifted it up a bit and decided to make it a little bit more about Ahsoka's mother, uh, which is, I think, quite interesting. It's quite curious. And I, I like the idea that an actress like Gina... Uh, um, uh, Janina uh, Givankar will be will be playing that role, uh, and uh, I think she'll she'll do a fantastic job. So yeah, sure enough. Curious to see uh, you know what we're gonna see about that because I always like Ahsoka. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, there will also be about three Dooku Qui Gon episodes. A young Qui Gon story will be voiced by Liam Neeson's son. Liam will also return. That's interesting. They got Liam Neeson on board. Yeah. Looking forward to that. I wonder, I wonder if it's going to be similar to the 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 what do they call it? Because it's not really an audio book. Duke of Jedi Lost. Yeah, yeah, I think exactly. I think the whole story might actually take place uh, around those events, if not maybe before, because he's still a Jedi in this in this uh, story. And Duke of Jedi Lost is kind of like it 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 kind of does something similar where it flashes through his whole life. Like it starts when he's a kid. And goes up until the point where he leaves the order. So yeah. um, it's it's a bit of a quick, fast-paced story. So ideally, these stories could almost take place anywhere in that time frame. And uh, they'll work. So, no, That's a good point. It's just, I'm always very curious to see more about Dooku and just how he, he fell from, from grace. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Fascinating character. Uh, so it'll be an episode where Obi-Wan and Mace... Yaddle, Bail Organa, and Inquisitors have appearances. Yeah, so their their appearances are sprinkled through the whole course of the show. Uh, Obi Wan and Mace and Yaddle uh, obviously will will Yaddle. Love Mace, that. 
Yaddle probably. I love in the, Yaddle. I'm yeah, so glad Yaddle's I, gonna be in this. Yaddle kind of is a forgotten character. Yeah, I know, right? So she's probably gonna be in the uh, the Qui Gon, um, Dooku arc. Uh, I would not be surprised if perhaps uh, at some point in this series we might even see her death. I don't. I don't really know. Um, and then Obi-Wan and Mace, uh, probably in the, the second, in the Ahsoka arc, I would imagine. Uh, and then the Inquisitors, obviously in the Ahsoka arc as well. So, uh, lots of cool appearances there as well as Bale, of course, who oh, recruits, recruits wonder, Ahsoka into the, into the rebellion as Fulcrum. Oh, that's a neat idea too. Yeah. Man, I'd, it'd be really cool if we got to see how the, the temple guard became the grand inquisitor. That'd be pretty the, sweet. Like whatever his actual name is, that'd be a cool arc. I think it'd be quick. It would be even even just a cool cameo to have him in there at some point. Yeah. Uh, a tale episode was played for the audience in person, so I guess some of these are completed if they managed to play a whole episode. Yep. Yeah. They uh, well, they've got the full trailer, uh, and it's a full finished trailer. Uh, I you know we we heard the audio just just uh, fifty six minutes ago and. Uh, you know, we're going to be uh, hopefully able to see that for ourselves in the coming coming days, coming weeks. Man, there's so much stuff that they they limited. I'm really we're all uh, so bummed about it, man. Like, yeah, man, I want to see it. They got to put it out online. They, they I don't try to make it special for people there. Like, but. I don't want to bash like the opportunity of exclusivity, the exclusivity or whatever. But but I mean, realistically, like you know it's it's a special enough experience to be there in person it's not like i would ever prefer watching this online over going in person you know i would always want to go in person but it's just we all can't be there right and so why why make it so that if we can't go that we can't enjoy it like like <laughs> in a different way right <laughs> so true I mean, there's people in other countries that can't fly across the world. You know, we're lucky enough to live just just like north of where it's uh, happening. But, uh, you know, it's it's a long trip for some people. So, no, it's a really good point. Like this, this even I'm just thinking in the UK, right? <clears throat> there's so many fans there that they film stuff there all the time. But this is it's a long ways away. Yeah, it, it really is. Yeah. Uh, so we have Kevin Kiner, who will be composing the score, who's the same guy who did Clone Wars and Rebels. So it uh, sounds like the music then will be very, uh, like, synced up with the rest of the, the animated series. Yep. Uh, the model's animation is all consistent to that of the Clone Wars. So we're, yeah, and by heard. extension, Bad Batch. Sorry, I left that out of the list. Uh, Clone Wars, Rebels, Bad Batch, Kevin Kiner composed all of it. And uh, the models and animation will be consistent with that of Clone Wars and Bad Batch as well. So Rebels is the only outlier. And Resistance. Yes, although I always just kind of leave that out of my head for some reason. <laughs> I, I it, Because it's not Dave Filoni as far as like... A, right, know, yeah, heading it up. Yeah. I remember when they first canceled Clone Wars and then Rebels was announced and they put some artwork out or whatever. And... You were just so disappointed with the design. I was, you, yeah. You just didn't like it at all. Well, it's great to see that that they've found the preference. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe enough people were, were kind of leaning towards uh, how I saw the Clone Wars, that the art style was just very unique, very special. 
Um, and I appreciated the fact that Ralph McQuarrie's art influenced the Rebel show, but at the same time, it would have saved so much money and uh, almost like time, uh, you know, having to redial in so many assets and lighting scenes and, and everything like that, remodel stuff, remodel ships, um, all of that just to make Rebels happen. So that, that sucked away so much of the budget. And, you know, it only makes me wonder, like, well, if they stuck with the same art style, would it have saved enough budget? Because it could have show... reused assets. Yeah, know? exactly. Yeah. So and Rebels, I always thought had a bit of a funky look to it. Uh, you know, even though it, all, it, is... it looked painted, right? Like hand painted. Was the yeah. Idea. It's like yeah. pastels. Everything's more elongated. And, and um, I don't know. It just it just never really agreed with my system too much. It's almost like that kind well, of style. It's probably because you had five seasons of Clone Wars under your belt. That that too, yeah. But that style is almost better better on paper as a painting. You know, I just, almost having it come to life to me is just like, it's just a bit odd. Uh, whereas Clone Wars was was in, in line with a lot of uh, already existing animations uh, with the uh, similar art style, but it also looked more realistic. Like if you look at the clones in uh clone wars they there is still the clone war style uh upon them but they are so close to the ones in the film that you almost can't tell right. uh, so there's a lot of that like it's closer to the movies than rebels is as far as yeah, real, realism yeah rebels more stylized uh so Janina Gavankar uh, plays Ahsoka's mother, as we mentioned, in the Ahsoka origin arc. And originally that story was how Plo Koon finds her and it inducts her into the Jedi Order. So we talked about this a little bit already. Right. It's, it's something that I guess has been... Was it in, in Clone Wars they actually said Plo Koon found her? Is that just something Dave mentioned? That's something some that's been uh, established by Ahsoka herself in Clone Wars, yeah. Okay. Uh, and then we will be getting six total episodes this fall. So 2022 this yeah, year. Yeah, so you can look forward to that uh, later this year. Uh, so moving on to the final panel, which was the one that was actually interrupted. So even McGregor could finish off his autographs, which is pretty funny. <laughs> uh, Doug Chang was pre presenting uh, Star Wars designs and the designing it for The Mandalorian. That's pretty cool. Yeah, this was, was awesome. a, re a really good panel. I enjoyed this a lot. Yeah. Doug Chang is just such an incredibly talented artist. Yeah. The importance of, of concept art and design plays uh, such a critical, crucial role in, in the foundation of Star Wars. Because uh, without that uh, alone, George would not have been able to get buy off on the first Star Wars movie. So cause yeah, that's, that's, that's how he true. pitched the film because it was so abstract. He couldn't just describe what was happening. So no, needed, you definitely need the artwork. Yeah, so we needed Ralph McQuarrie to to come up with uh, almost like a storyboard of of frames of concepts that that would pitch the idea of what uh, the film could look like. And uh, the, to this day, that um, that influence uh, artistically has held such a cru crucial role on Star Wars um, for. Uh, everything, you know, for the way that the universe looks and feels, um, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just absolutely everything. So, uh, Doug Chang, uh, said he's done over 4,000 designs were made f 
for season one of Amanda alone. That's crazy. So he didn't necessarily do all of them, sorry. But he was saying that there was 4,000 designs for The Mandalorian, which is crazy. So many. Yeah, I think that's over all three seasons, or all two seasons, maybe three, but two for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. That, I mean, it just it just goes to show how much uh, time and effort goes into creating the the world, like the world building, the ships, the the character designs, the costumes. Uh, everything has to get designed down to the blaster. Yeah, that's true. And then generally, you're just not one and done either, right? You can do multiple iterations. Yeah. And he spoke to that quite a bit, where they broke down the the designs for both the Razor Crest as well as Mandalorian's armor. Yeah, there's great footage in uh, the Revenge of the Sith behind the scenes of George uh, talking to Doug, uh, or not Doug Jing, sorry, he, he wasn't on that one, I don't think. Um, he was talking to uh, the, the concept team, putting a stamp on different things that he liked and giving his notes and stuff. And it was, it was such a cool, it always uh, stuck in my memory is, oh, that's how stuff gets you know, designed, you know, to be in the, mm-hmm. the film. So, yeah. Uh, and Doug emphasized that the designs for characters can change entire personalities. And I think a good example of that is looking at, at Grogu, right? So he, he talked about the design of Grogu as well. At one point, he looked more like a troll. And they were having a an issue trying to get him to look ugly cute. Because that's what John Favreau wanted, was an ugly cute baby. And uh, the issue they, they were really dealing with is because they started with Yoda... And Yoda has human eyes, and I guess if you yeah. put, he showed an artwork of this. If you see Grogu with human eyes, he just looks psychotic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Uh, yeah, and uh, there's another one there. VR tools were used to design the sets for the show. Yeah, which is that's pretty cool, right? So I think that was mostly using game engine assets and stuff. Yeah, I thought that was really neat that they that they managed to utilize that technology to uh, really virtually dive into the scene before they uh you know were able to uh you know build it and all that just to uh just to really you know get a, a rough draft of whether that's yeah. three-dimensional yeah absolutely so it's kind of like the modern day of doing a, a a clay sculpt i guess yeah and so the robot chicken team shot a stop-motion tiny rigged creature for the blurg in season one and two of the shots ended up in the season. So that's cool. Because you know, we had mentioned that sometimes it actually felt like stop motion. So yeah. maybe that's why. Because the robot chicken guys actually stop motioned it. There's only two shots, though. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it, maybe maybe uh, when we commented on it, maybe it was those two. <laughs> Could have been. But, or I'd yeah. have to go back and rewatch it. But it's possible that the, the CG stuff was all referencing the stop motion, trying to get that low right. motion blur kind of stutter look. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Moss Espa's downtown area was a sinkhole design in the book of Boba Fett. And it turns out that this was George approved design for the Phantom Menace. So we never, we just never got to see it. Yeah. They also worked worked it into the overall layout of the city very well based on, on a bird's eye view design of the cities from top down view. Right. I thought that was so cool that, that, uh, that that was a thing that that was actually a George approved design because we speculated on that design for the city. I was like, oh, I guess it works because we never saw that section before. But um, yeah, I didn't realize we, it went back as far as Phantom Menace. Exactly. Yeah, because we had thought that this was something that they just did to change it up from Moss Eisley that they like specifically in uh, the book of Boba Fett to change it up. 
So that's cool, yeah, to know that it was all the way back to George Lucas. They just never end up using it. Yeah. And that really, again, just points to George Lucas not limiting his designs to just what you see, but he likes to like flesh out everything, which is also a very a Tolkien-esque thing to do. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so Anakin's pod racer engine is confirmed as Mando's speeder in, in the crate dragon episode. I thought that was awesome. Cause we, we always yeah. like, I guess we, we kind of knew, but now it's nice to have the, like the confirmation that's like that, that is the speeder. <laughs> yeah. Well, originally they didn't want to use that is what Doug was saying. They just wanted to use any pod racer engine. So they used Sebulba's engine originally. <laughs> yeah, the thing just, was just so massive. Yeah. It's so big. Yeah. Yeah. So then they realized that Anakin's really is the only one they can use. Well, it was the, the only smallest one the size. Yeah, yeah, it was all. It was the smallest pod racer in the whole lineup, right? So, yeah, such a cool idea. I'm not sure if he said who originally came up with that idea, whether it was him or John Favreau who requested it. But John Favreau, way, I know, cool. I know for sure John Favreau uh, asked for the N1 Starfighter. Uh, yeah. that's the next thing he wanted that to be the razor crest replacement. Um, but yeah, both, both options, both having like those ships return from that first film, like huge, uh, Phantom Menace, uh, vibes, you know, throughout like nods and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Man, and how I really love that. They're so open-minded to that. I felt like over the last, uh, what has it been like 10 years, I guess of all the Disney stuff. I feel like they've been really trying to distance themselves from the prequels. So I'm really glad to see everything starting to come around full circle. Totally. Because even to the fans who aren't the biggest uh, uh, fans of the prequel trilogy, it still is part of the universe. And I feel like everything still needs to be tied together. Yeah. And even more importantly, it's part of the universe that George uh, built, which is the, right. the foundation that all the new stuff is being done on. So just it's just so cool to see it all come together. And the end one, Starfighter, uh, to finally see it, you know, have its second life in Mando, super cool. And Doug Chang actually spoke to the original design of the end one Starfighter because when uh, the original idea was pitched by George and he was designing it, to him it didn't feel like it was part of Star Wars because it was just so different from everything we've seen in the original yeah. trilogy. Yeah. Yeah, and he said he wanted it to be like the like a what's that car? It's not NASCAR. It's the other one. Like F one. F one. An F one racing car version of a of a Starfighter. Yeah, curious design choice for sure for Star Wars, where everything's usually ratty and rebuilt from scraps. Boxy. But, uh, yeah, it was it was an interesting design choice, and you know, looking at the N one though, it's one of my favorite ships ever. And fits the design language of the Nabubians so mm -hmm. well. You know? Yeah, and he spoke to that too because originally it was supposed to land in water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, That's why it doesn't have landing gear. It was supposed to float in water. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was kind of kind of funny, isn't it? Um, yeah, and then I guess they they ditched that, so they had to all hover. <laughs> it makes sense because it's all like curved and everything. It almost looks like it could float in water. It's true. No, it's a very good point. I guess it was part of the design was like a boat and he didn't mention it, but I'm sure there's a stingray as part of the design as well. Oh, manta yeah, ray. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so the Gina Gavonker gets emotional celebration stage talking about playing Ahsoka Tano's mother. Yeah. At the very end of the day, when uh, she closed 
uh, celebration day three with um, uh, the host. Uh, I just thought it was it was worth noting that when she was talking about her newly casted role coming back to Star Wars, uh, she got quite emotional about playing the the mother of Ahsoka Tano because she understands the importance of that character and um, was just so honored to be able to play the mother of that character. Um, so definitely worth noting. And uh, it was quite something special to see her tear up as she was talking about it. Yeah, maybe that might be part of the reason why uh, they cast her. Maybe she just is the right fit for the job. Yeah, yeah. No, Janina's uh, uh, Janina's great. So yeah, looking forward to that episode a lot of Tales of the Jedi. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So that was uh, that's our wrap up of uh, day three. Day three celebration. Well, thanks. That's right. Thanks for taking us through all that stuff there, uh, Blake. And uh, I guess we'll catch you in the next one for our final day of Star Wars celebration. Sure thing. We got one more, so let's relish every moment. Every moment. <laughs> All right. We'll see you in the next one. All right, man. Keep flying. All right. And for those of you who were able to make it this far, uh, thank you for tuning in to Star Wars Escape Pod and our recaps of Star Wars Celebration. Hopefully I can uh, keep my voice to get us through the, the final day of day four Star Wars Celebration. Otherwise, we will see you in the next one. May the force be with you. Thank <laughs> you.